0: It's all about complexity, collaboration, and time-to-market. As was mentioned multiple times, you know, our products are getting more complex. They're, they're not going to get less, less complex. And so it's really driving this need for uh, collaboration across domains in order to meet your, your time-to-market goals. You know, we're not going to see less collaboration, and we're not going to see longer time-to-markets.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Next Generation Design Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Piper. This month, we're focused on the topic of the electronics and semiconductor industry. In this episode, I welcome three experts in the field to share their thoughts on trends in the industry, the challenges they're currently facing, and what we can expect from the electronics and semiconductor industry moving forward. Before we jump into the conversation today, I'd like to introduce our guests, Alan Porter, Craig Armenti, and Nick Dahman. Alan, let's start with you. Could you please give our listeners an introduction?
2: My name is Alan Porter. I am the Vice President of Electronics and Semiconductor for Siemens Digital Industries Software. I have a diverse background in the industry starting out in electronics design, and then moving into electronics design automation. I have worked in various capacities in application engineering services, hardware design, software design, and I have spent time at Mentor, Synopsys, Cadence, and most recently, Apple and Huawei.
1: Great to have you, Alan. Craig, would you like to introduce yourself?
0: My name is Craig Minty. I'm director of electronic solutions here at Siemens. Over 25 years' experience in the industry. Before uh, Siemens, I was at Mentor Graphics, and before that, I had various uh, technical roles within the industry, working at places such as BlackBerry, Motorola, and AT&T Bell Labs.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Craig. And last but not least, Nick, can you tell us a bit about your background?
3: My name is Nick Dahman, and uh, I've been with Siemens about three and a half years now. I'm Senior Marketing Coordinator for the NX product on the design side. I have over 10 years of experience in product marketing and product management, and I currently hold responsibility for bringing our electronics design solutions to market. I also have experience within the cyber and electronic warfare industry. Before that, I held product management responsibilities in the telecom and consumer packaging industries.
1: Thanks, Nick. And thanks, everybody, for joining today. So let's dive right in. Alan, what trends do you see in the electronics and semiconductor industry today?
2: Well, I see there's many growth segments, that, particularly in new markets, you know, with autonomy, whether it's autonomy in vehicles or drones smart connected technologies based on 5G. As this connectivity increases and the complexity of it increases, I, I see that we're going to be looking at more technological advancements, particularly in consumer, industrial and automotive electronics.
1: Are there any other trends you're seeing in the industry right now?
2: What's coming about now, we're in a, a time when we've got the disruptive pool of AI, we have 5G, and also AR, VR, you know, augmented reality and virtual reality, leveraging those technologies not just from a consumer standpoint, but also from an industrial standpoint, being able to use those technologies in smart manufacturing, be able to take those the information that we're gaining from those technologies for analytical insights, to improve our technological development, and and also to improve the overall customer experience.
1: And there's also consumer-driven customization that's on the rise. Could you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I think the market's getting more and more personalized. The consumer's expecting technology to be tuned to their persona, to their requirements, whether they're in social media, they're a gamer, they're focusing on business, technology, these different areas the technology is is tuning and is being given the capabilities to tune to those roles and personas.
1: And what about sustainability and globalization? Those are two major areas that trends seem to be stemming from lately.
2: The world is focusing more and more on sustainability and companies are looking to to reduce they're looking to recycle they're looking to reuse and they want to do that to be good social citizens but also to help their bottom line so we're looking at technology that that tracks hazardous materials that gives us the capability to reduce our carbon footprint and improve our overall supply chain transparency I think the the globalization of the electronic supply chain is really making it more and more difficult on business. The businesses are facing increased complexity. There's higher demand and security concerns, you know, are becoming paramount. We want to make sure that the the products are being delivered that are produced that they're not counterfeited, that they maintain their competency in terms of what they're designed to do, that they're not altered, whether it's in software or hardware. Companies are also trying to streamline their operations, both internally and by forming strategic partnerships to control their costs.
1: And are there any other trends that you'd like to mention?
2: I think that the focus now from an AI perspective, is increasing not just on autonomy, but also in terms of overall intelligence in design and in the analysis of design. So I see that, I see that increasing. I also see as time goes on with autonomous vehicles and pedestrians and city traffic patterns that we're looking at smart cities and improving the connectivity among the um, overall population of the cities and the technology in the city.
1: I know that's a major topic of conversation in smart cities right now. Thank you for mentioning that, Alan. So Nick, now that we have an idea of the trends happening in the electronics and semiconductor industry, What would you say are the challenges that the industry is currently experiencing?
3: There are four areas that we can touch on here. And the first is trust and traceability of data. A lot of companies I think can relate to the idea of hurry up and wait as being the norm in a project. So there are a lot of core engineering teams that strive to deliver objectives that depend on other domains or other groups within the organization. And if you're out of sync or alignment with any other division, either within or outside of your organization, you're gonna tend to see that you're gonna have costly delays and even product performance issues. And on top of that, there are technologies that have enabled distributed teams to collaborate on product development. And so it's really important to make sure that those teams have a common set of highly capable tools and an integrated environment to exchange ideas and maximize efficiency.
1: Are there challenges you're seeing with those team collaborations?
3: Yeah, um, that that leads me to the next area, uh, which is collaboration between the entire ecosystem and internal stakeholders. It's important to have design authoring tools that can provide faster, more streamlined design capabilities in addition to methodologies for collaboration that are in higher demand. Data exchange and version management for workflow convergence is critical to data control and information traceability, whether you're working uh, within your organization or externally.
1: And how about any challenges related to resilience?
3: Yeah, that's that's a, a hot one right now, and I'll get to why in, in a second as an example. But companies need to be able to, to survive interdependencies and they need to be able to pivot in times of, of crisis. It's really key to be able to have contingency plans in place for issues such as lead times, supply chain issues, product obsolescence, et cetera. And companies really need to focus on alternate sourcing and alternate supply strategies. You've seen a perfect example of why those plans are more critical than ever with the chip shortage that we're seeing, especially in the automotive industry right now. I've seen some photos and videos of Ford trucks just sitting within an abandoned facility waiting on chips to be able to be moved out to dealerships to be able to sell. So it's costing companies' revenue uh, by having to wait and and having supply chain issues.
1: And those supply chain problems have really come to be global front page news recently. Can you tell me about the effect government security standards have on these issues at this time?
3: Regulations have a pretty significant impact on electronics companies, and these companies need to consider these costs into or factor these costs into expenses and sometimes they pay significant fines for non-compliance with these regulations. So other countries also regulate the industry at varying levels. And some countries have little or no electronics industry regulation while others heavily regulate pollution and environmental impact. Supply chain expenses for electronics companies are typically pretty high and increase whenever new regulations place a higher strain on production. Regulations can contribute to higher supply chain costs. They can increase expenses associated with production, packaging, distribution, and uh, disposal of electronic equipment. And getting back to environmental regulations, uh, these can often specify how raw materials are obtained and, and even purified for, for use.
1: Switching gears just a bit, let's talk about the four disciplines in which Siemens is helping the electronics industry expand in advance. Nick, can you tell us about the utilization of mechanical design?
3: It includes utilizing a mechanical design software to create designs not only rapidly, but designs that are more aesthetically pleasing to the end user. So if you think about products that you may have sitting on your, your desk at home or something that you're using out in public, you you probably want it to look as good as it functions. So being able to, to take modeling tools that allow you to reach that is critical when going into the market. Our MCAD, or mechanical design tools, contain some of the most productive modeling solutions on the market. One of the great things that it does is it integrates well with other disciplines, such as electronics and software. There's a tight, seamless integration between the mechanical design and the electronics design. It really provides full visibility into design changes, checks for any interference, and it eliminates a lot of the back and forth rework between these different domains. So it's critical to have efficient coordination with other disciplines.
1: And Craig, can you walk us through electronics?
0: We like to say that electronics is in everything nowadays. Uh, if you think about areas that traditionally were focused only on mechanical and electrical, such as your, your doorbell, your washing machine, your, your coffee maker, over the past 10 years, we've all seen the rise of uh, the electronics aspects of all these products for uh, Bluetooth technology or Wi-Fi, and, and it really comes down to the fact that the development and design of these electronic systems is it's just more challenging than ever. You know, As Nick mentioned, really the design of these complex electromechanical products requires seamless collaboration across... Uh, multiple domains, uh, electrical, electronic, mechanical, simulation, even software, and of course, uh, data management. We're seeing a lot of companies today really challenged in achieving faster time to market. We work a lot with a company called the the Aberdeen Group, and they conduct research reports and surveys of the industry. And one of their most recent surveys indicated that 56% of companies are citing the need to launch products quickly as their top pressure to improve the design process. And I'll point out in that same survey, it was noted that 59% of complex products are requiring at least two additional iterations or prototypes just to address electromechanical issues. And we all know how much work is involved in developing a designing and, and getting it to prototype. And, you know, there's cost uh, associated with that. And to have the prototype fail just to to an electromechanical issue that could have been resolved during the design phase, it's a real challenge that a, lo- a lot of companies are, are facing. I often challenge folks as they're using their ECAD design tools or their MCAD design tools, you know, While you're within your ECAD design tool, can you see and and act upon all of the mechanical aspects of that product that you need to? And vice versa, when you're in your mechanical design tool, you know, can you see and act upon all the electronic aspects of that product that you need to? Because if you can't, you're not working with a real digital twin of the product. You're simply working on your particular area of focus. And, uh, you know, in today's environment, uh, that's probably not going to be enough to, to differentiate you and get you to market uh, in the time that you need to.
1: When everybody wants everything faster and cheaper, the pace of innovation grows at an even more accelerated rate. Staying in that same vein, Craig, what can you tell us about software?
0: I mentioned earlier how we like to talk about a lot about electronics, electrical and mechanical, but we can't ignore the software aspect of today's products. You know, in order to get that Bluetooth and Wi-Fi into your thermostat or your coffee maker or your washing machine, there's going to be some software required to be part of that product. And, you know, that software needs to stay in sync with the development of the product, the same as the electrical components or the mechanical components really what we're finding is it needs to be treated as a part, quote unquote, same as any other part of the design. It needs to be a part of the product level bomb. And it needs to be, especially with uh, the requirements and change management processes, uh, well integrated into the overall product development process, such that you're not shipping the wrong version of the software with the wrong version of the product.
1: And where does simulation come into play?
0: Well, for simulation, we're seeing more and more of what we like to call a left shift where folks in the past attended to leave simulation to the end of the design process, whether it's signal integrity, power integrity, EMI, EMC. But what we're finding is with today's tools and processes and and the requirement to get to market as quickly as possible, you really have to simulate as early as possible. And that's allowing us to compress and, and work more in parallel than in serial has, has had been done in the past. And again, our goal here is to get you a digital twin of what you're developing uh, such that you can work out as much as possible in the virtual domain, whether it's interference or whether it's something to do with simulation, so that when you do develop that prototype and do take the time and expense to, to create that prototype, you have a much higher degree of success uh, much earlier in the overall product development process.
1: I'm sure it saves a lot of time doing all of that work up front, as opposed to having to go back and do the rework. Alan, do you have anything you'd like to add?
2: I just wanted to mention overall that it's important when you're looking at all four areas that you're also considering the ecosystem, the environment that is tying everything together in the industry, whether you're a a supplier, you're a designer, or you're a manufacturer, these areas are areas that that you need to focus on internally, but also be able to collaborate and, and exchange
1: externally. Let's talk about some real world applications. Craig, could you give us any customer examples? In
0: the wearable industry, think about your watch that you wear, whether it's just for telling time or keeping track of your your fitness. That used to be just a mechanical device, purely mechanical device. Well, now it's turned into a really electromechanical device where everything has to come together and has to come together in a very small small form factor. It used to be when you developed an, an electronic product, You would develop the inner workings of the product and then create a housing that happened to fit around it. And that's changed 180 degrees over the past 10 years or so, where now the industrial design drives everything. The housing drives everything and the electronics just has to fit into that. And so we're seeing a, a real rise in the need for electromechanical design in the consumer industry, especially. And again, just think about, you know, your watch or your fitness device that you wear. That has to be a combination of mechanical design and electronic design coming together seamlessly in order to give the consumer, the, you know, the best e- and experience possible.
1: Nick, what are your thoughts?
0: We had a customer that developed a smartwatch that had over
3: 500 components within it. And it's a combination of communications, GPS, motion and biosensors. And then uh, they all also had to balance aesthetics, functionality, size, power, and weight. So you can kind of see the just the complexity that the electronics market is dealing with. And you wouldn't think that something you wear on your wrist has that much complexity in it, but that just kind of shows you where where things are going and how products are are transforming.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good point, not to mention the, the 5G, wireless, Bluetooth, as you mentioned, the GPS, all the other uh, radio technologies that are embedded as well.
1: It's like we're all wearing computers on our wrists these days. Alan, do you have any examples you'd like to add?
2: When you're looking at our electronics customers and in electronics uh, manufacturing in particular, they are working with robotics that have more and more capabilities that can be done autonomously, but also they need to be able to control them remotely and be able to receive information based on their activity remotely, particularly in you know the face of a pandemic when you don't have as many folks on the shop floor or maybe there's more separation between people, you need to be able to monitor the machines. And so utilizing 5G capabilities and AR, VR, you're able to control the manufacturing process from a remote uh, standpoint in the factory or possibly from outside the factory.
1: I'd like to elaborate on that point a bit. Over the past 18 months, has the pandemic caused any major changes in workflow in the electronics and semiconductors industry?
2: As I mentioned, the remote work, of course, has uh, has increased the ability to, from a consumer standpoint, the home offices to be able to interact virtually, whether it's video or or audio, even potentially, as I mentioned, controlling different aspects of their work remotely. And I think too, it, it's made advances in in medical technology in terms of the rapid analysis of samples and being able to trust and trace those samples through the through the chain from a, a medical standpoint and being able to take those results and crowdsource that information to all these areas that you're looking at are facilitated by advancements in in AI and electronics design, the the complexity has driven the need for for more and more throughput from a performance standpoint of semiconductor chips, both from a, a processing
0: aspect and also from a memory storage aspect.
1: Craig, can you share your thoughts?
0: And it's also really highlighted what we've been talking about for years now, and it's really blurring the boundaries between these domains and and really collaborating between the domains. Before the pandemic, collaborating between domains would be an electrical engineer sitting over the shoulder of the mechanical engineer, pointing at the screen of things that need to be changed while the product was being developed, and that's just uh, not an option anymore. And so if you're not able to seamlessly collaborate and work together remotely from different locations, possibly in different time zones. It's really going to impact your ability to, to develop your product during the pandemic.
1: Turning toward the future, Alan, what should we expect to see coming up in the electronics and semiconductor industry? Is there a particular vision being shared?
2: there will be more and more blurring of boundaries between domains and not just from an electromechanical collaboration standpoint, but also the the moving of data and collaborating between internal groups within our customers. And also, as I mentioned before, externally with our supply chain partners, our customer supply chain partners, and that information needs to be synchronized in a way that everyone is operating off of the same information in real time able to to utilize that information in their particular domain so we're talking about from a software modeling standpoint but also virtually modeling the hardware at an architectural level and then being able to take that in a digital twin and correlate that virtual model or models with the actual physical entity, you know, the physical product and and be able to do that quickly so we can we can improve the speed of new product in, in, introduction.
1: And what should we look for in regard to AI assisted design and predictive insights?
2: As AI technology becomes more and more usable as we increase the um, capability from an algorithmic standpoint, we're able to embed that technology not just into autonomy, but also different aspects of the design process itself. So you can help guide the design process, analyze patterns of information, and, and glean important insights from those patterns, so that you can improve the process itself, but also improve the design concurrently while you're while you're working on it. Another area that AI-assisted design will improve is you know smart user interaction, being able to interact with the technologies, having a better user experience. We talked about different roles and personas, understanding those better,s and being able to make sure that we're um, Providing a better user experience overall. You know, what we're seeing is that as this gets more and more complex, the use of actionable analytics from AI is helping to cut through the clutter and takes the the complex data and and turns it into knowledge that, that our customers can use it, you know, to advance their design.
1: What about supply chain security and synergies there?
2: So as Nick mentioned, um, trusted traceability is extremely important. What we're looking at is, it, is advancing capabilities in that area where we're making sure that we have data providence, we're able to have a resilient supply chain so we can have alternative uh, sources or potentially predict disruptions and and change the supply logistics or materials we also have to make sure that the ecosystem can trust that trust the supply we know where that where the component came from we know where it's been we know where it's going and we can audit that that trail and follow that genealogy
1: Finally, moving from linear to flexible engineering, what do you think we'll see in that area in the future?
2: Well, from a business standpoint, we're trying to be more and more flexible in an engineering environment. So we're taking processes that were traditionally uh, serial in fashion and potentially manual and making them more concurrent so that we're able to do more things at the same time really have a faster new product introduction with better quality, you know, less defects, and really improved time to market. So I think that all the executives we, that we're dealing with, it, with our customers, they're, they're looking for support on these initiatives. And they know that the complexity is, is increasing, and they're looking towards digital transformation to help them deal with
1: that. Craig, do you have any other comments on the future vision for the electronics and semiconductor industry?
0: We're really seeing more and more of an emphasis on time to market. And, you know, the future electronics industry is going to be all about taking these increasingly complex products and getting them to market as quickly and as reliably as possible. We're seeing some examples already where if you have a uh, innovative product or idea and you're not first to market you may as well not go to market at all. I mean, that's just how challenging things are getting. And so as we look to the future, you know, we see more and more more and more of that and, and thus the need for more and more collaboration across the various domains that are involved in
1: product development. Before we close today, I'd like to ask what are the three main points you'd like the audience to take away from our discussion today?
2: Really, what we're what we're talking about is the increase in complexity in the industry, and that's driven by many factors that we've discussed. Whether it's the trends towards uh, more complex products and AI and ARVR, it's the increased co- connectivity and the data that's connected. That's that's um, being passed at a higher and higher rate. So that's, that's one area. Um, The second I would say is sustainability, zero carbon footprint goals becoming more and more important. So we're, we're tuning our processes to, to make sure that we're adhering to those standards. It's not just a customer driven thing, but also we want to, we want to make sure that we're, we're doing the right things internally for for our company and our employees, and lastly, I would say, from a globalization standpoint, the world is getting smaller, and we need to be able to accommodate that
0: from connectivity and collaboration standpoint.
1: Craig, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, the three areas I folks uh, take away from from this are really all interrelated. It's you know, it's all about complexity collaboration and time to market. As was mentioned multiple times, you know, our products are getting more complex. They're, they're not gonna get less, less complex. And so it's really driving this need for uh, collaboration across domains in order to meet your your time to market goals. You know, we're not gonna see less collaboration and we're not gonna see longer time to markets. And so you, you put all three together and just put the pandemic on top of that. And there's really an emphasis on the need to for folks to be able to work across domains, possibly within a domain that they're not usually familiar with. But being able to have the confidence to to work with others, remotely go into those domains and really make improvements on the overall product and meet those time to market goals that they're faced with.
1: Thank you so much to Alan, Craig, and Nick for joining us today. Thanks also to our listeners for tuning in to today's episode. Join us next time for more discussions about the latest in design innovation and software applications. I'm your host, Jennifer Piper, and this has been Next Generation Design.